0: Good afternoon, everyone. And we're here again for another Nacho Tuesday. Today, I have Ricky Robinson with Shorthand. And we'd love to introduce this product today, which you can find in, t- in our B2B SaaS marketplace. Uh, so without further ado,
1: uh, Ricky, we'd love to hear about Shorthand. Yeah, thanks, uh, thanks Andy. Um, so Shorthand in a nutshell, uh, courageous content that moves your metrics. Um, we enable marketing teams, comms and media teams to create you know, stunning digital destinations like magazines, Feature stories, reports, content hubs, um, that sort of thing. Um, and you know even when your designers and developers are out to lunch. Um, so our platform is used by creators in some of the well the biggest of the big brands and small prof- uh, small nonprofits. Mm-hmm. What they all have in common is um, you know very little time but a really high bar for quality. So that's that's where shorthand plays. Great. Yeah, my designer is probably going to love your tool.
0: <laughs> yeah, because we're always, uh, he's in Europe, so we're always bugging him at all hours of the night. And he's, you uh, know, sometimes he actually gets to him at like 11, 12 p.m. <laughs> his time. So um, I'll, I'll turn him on to your guys' product there. Yeah, uh, so absolutely. You, you know, uh, tell us more about your career and how
1: you guys got, how you got started. Oh, so, I mean, my career, well, I don't know. I, I guess it all started with pizza, really. Um, So not not <laughs> nachos, but pizza, uh, uh, delivering it anyway. So um i realized i was pretty good at like connecting with people one-on-one and so i used to get tipped a lot as a pizza delivery person which is not a thing in australia or at least it wasn't back then right so uh it was you know one time after a bit of back and forth with a guy 50 tip on a, on the back of a uh, 25 pizza uh, order right and so in hindsight you're looking for like Connecting the dots in, in, in the past as one of the signals, I guess, that maybe uh, had a little bit of that hustle, um, if that's the word for it, required yep. for starting and running businesses and mm-hmm. had no inkling of uh, business or startups back then. It just wasn't something my family ever talked about, far, yep. far from business. A bit after that, I built uh, my own blogging platform, kind of in the pre-WordPress era. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was just a place to journal my thoughts and progress on my PhD or lack of progress, more like it. Um, And I pretended like the world had any, you know, cared about anything I had to say. Um, That blogging tool was just used by me and my brother. And that was before I had any conception that, like, it might have been useful to other people. Mm-hmm. But like the tipping experience with the pizza is a little bit of a window, I think, into my future. And um, took a long detour into computer science R&D at Australia's premier tech lab for that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was a bit of a troublemaker and spent like the last four years of my eight years there trying to spin stuff out. <laughs> that that lab. So Yeah. Um, but then, and and then I realized troublemaker is kind of just a different word for entrepreneur. And so I co-founded a couple of machine learning startups in the early twenties. Um, they were failed startups, um, and then onto shorthand, which is decidedly not a failure. So here we are. Great. What what inspired you to uh, launch shorthand? Um, so uh, I actually came into shorthand after there was an initial seed of a, a little product there, right? Um, and so. I had been working on my own content creation platform. It was a little bit of a, like a medium-esque thing, um, just with a bit more visual, uh, but I got tapped to come and uh, lead lead shorthand. Um, so I eventually decided, yeah, uh, I'm gonna drop my own thing and, and work with this little team that, um, that had this really great product. There was no business there, but there was a seed of something special. Um, and so I was just really attracted to what the product was doing uh, and the way that, that it could enable people or brands to connect uh, with their audiences. Um, and so that, that, that was kind of what, what got me in. And, um, but always always working kind of in that space of uh, content creation tools and how to, you know, connect, with people through, through that content.
0: So what's the best way that uh, say our customers could leverage your tool
1: for their content marketing strategies? Uh, so, uh, you know, how to leverage our, our tool for, um, for content marketing? Well, um, you know, I guess the first thing is you, uh, you've, got to, you've got to want to aim for kind of greatness, right? You've got to want to aim for um, standing out from the crowd. And that's the first thing. If you Absolutely. if you don't have that, shorthand's not really going to be able to help you. So Everybody it's a mindset. It, they
0: don't always do it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So it's it's a mindset thing. And so when uh, if you're aiming for um, to, you know to be amongst those you know great um, great brands um, and being able to really help your st- uh, content stand out and amplify your brand, um, shorthand is the tool for you. Uh, and what shorthand is really great at is enabling uh, teams that are light on resources, um, light on time to create that really glossy premium look and feel uh, content for your blog, for a digital magazine, for an annual report, whatever that content is. That's where Shorthand's really going to be able to help you out uh, right. and then measuring, measuring the impact of that as well. Oh, that's
0: always important. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. more than just putting out beautiful artwork and yeah. uh, just putting it out in the world without any measurement. Um, totally. I guess, what's a good tip? Uh, what kind of good tips do you have for people to establish a B2B content marketing strategy?
1: Yeah. Um. So uh, first of all, uh, I don't know anyone else's business. Right. So uh, if you listen to anything, about say a pizza, more, a pizza, yeah, pizza restaurant. <laughs> yeah. What more for you? Right. Um. So no, no strategy should be cookie cutter and no way should you listen to some dude on a podcast who a kind of knows something about your, your business. So just just keep that in mind. There's probably um, three uh, quick things I, I could suggest. So first, um, you know, the, the content marketing strategy is not not an island. Uh, like Before doing anything else, understand the broader marketing strategy and the company strategy. So what's your overall go-to-market strategy? Are you primarily doing, you know, PLG? Are you doing traditional inbound? Are you a big enterprise motion, right? And then how is the content marketing strategy going to plug into that? And sometimes that's the first disconnect because we go, we create a marketing strategy and it just does not connect back with what the rest of the company is doing. Uh, And so if you don't know how your content marketing strategy fits into that and sits in the big picture, which parts of the funnel or the acquisition loop or the, the customer journey that the content marketing strategy is intended to be helping, uh, you're kind of setting yourself up for trouble there. So second, kind of goes back to what I was saying before, like embed quality standards and aspirations right into your content marketing strategy somehow, setting the bar right up front and uh, setting the mindset for what that content team will doing. It will make all the difference between creating vanilla content uh, and creating something that your audience is going to love and that your team is going to be proud of. Right. Um, And so in a way it's a little bit unfortunate that the best word we have in our industry to describe the output is content. It's a very vanilla word. It's kind of lost a lot of its meaning. Uh, But my point is what you label things really does have an effect on what you produce. Uh, So I'd say move beyond content quickly and get to brass tacks about what is the specific kind of thing that you're trying to create and drive. And then third, um, just a nice way to capture uh, your content strategy um, uh, or your commerce strategy uh, is the business model canvas, um, which was, you know, it was designed for documenting like the key pieces of your business strategy, like your unique value proposition, your customer segments, your channels, cost structure, all of that. Um, And now we're not doing this at shorthand at the moment, but it's something I've seen really work really well in the past. And you can use that canvas to answer important questions like, you know, uh, how will your content marketing, if you want to call it content marketing, um, how will it be differentiated? Like why are people going to pay any attention to what you're putting out there Mm -hmm. at all? Uh, And which people, like who's your target audience? Drill down. What segment of that audience you're really going after? Where do these people hang out? Um, what are the key activities you need to undertake all that kind of stuff is it research interviews Uh, it it can capture all of that anyway Mm -hmm. the canvas is a really great way to capture that in a succinct way that's clear and it's really great for presenting to people that are in my kind of position like in the executive right it just makes it really clear you might have to change some of the boxes on that standard canvas revenue streams may not be particularly important for what you're doing but the bones of that are pretty good as a way to capture that strategy and then overall though I'd say there are two main things in any strategy just know yep. your audience and take take the time to produce quality over quantity if you can do those two things and execute on that and nothing else you're already doing way better than 99% of, of other companies and brands out there it's a great point
0: yeah, so I'd imagine you guys have a lot of resource, you know, part of your content strategy. You probably have a lot of tips and tricks and resources on your guys'
1: website and blog uh, related to uh, these, these types of strategies. Yeah, uh, well, well, we have some. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, we like to showcase what other people are doing too and, you know, what they, you know, how they've weaved shorthand in particular into their strategy and, and, and what they're executing on. So we have some, you know, really great cases. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yep. That's awesome.
1: Uh, so what, what options
0: exist for uh, content marketers today? Um, obviously, webinars is one of them. Yeah, uh, you mentioned blogs, you know, as another great, uh, great form there. Uh, keeping in mind that not, you know, not um, every type of content strategy will work for every type of company. But if uh, if you wanted to give us a groundwork of what's available out there today.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head, like, you know, how long is a piece of string, really, like the blogs, <laughs> magazines, infographics, case studies, like some yeah. people might Include podcasts as as part of their content strategy. Uh, That list kind of goes on. But I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, you know, you want to match up what you're trying to achieve with the best, like, vehicle for communicating that particular piece of information. And so the best vehicle is, you know, it's partly determined by the way your audience wants to consume that content. Um, And you don't have the resources to do everything. So consistency, persistence, and kind of depth yep. are really key. So you want to get really good at doing a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, especially when your team is really tiny, like you're at a startup, get mm-hmm. really, really good at doing mm-hmm. uh, infographics mm-hmm. and using that or get really good at doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, but don't try to boil the ocean, I guess. And then I would just say repurpose like make the most of what you do. You've put all that effort yep. into creating that great content, reuse it. And then if you can bring it all together, capture it and create a kind of evergreen um, owned media resource where you can, that can sit on your website. It can, you know, drive a little bit of SEO yep. uh, and then you have this really great resource for people to come to and you can kind of help to deplatform people off off LinkedIn and onto your website so that you can actually sell to them right or get them to buy a sign up or whatever the yeah. action is out yeah. these
0: webinars we get a lot of great tips from people
1: like yourself and you know we'll chop up a lot
0: of sound bites from it re-promote it on social media you know get totally. right to the, get right to the point that's um, it so that's much exactly great it. stuff that comes out of this so yeah um, how does AI play into all this? I know it's the big buzzword. I'm actually going to an AI networking event after this. So. Oh,
1: cool! But yeah.
0: In content generation, where do you see it playing in?
1: Yeah, it's it's like you know AI is 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 just uh, everything at the moment, isn't it? It's like everywhere you look. So, I mean, there's there's the obvious one that I think everybody is already familiar with and already doing, and that's kind of using um, AI, like ChatGPT, as a as a bit of a sparring partner um, or a copy editor. So you've got something like. Copy AI, Jasper, Jasper AI, mm-hmm. um, but uh, aside from you know th- th- that those sorts of tools, those copy editing tools, and um, uh, when it comes to AI and large language models and all of that, mm-hmm. I think it's one thing that's important to note is that ideas are cheap, right? That's that that means you can afford to have a lot of them, right? Mm-hmm. So. Before LLMs, um, having lots of ideas could be a problem because, you know, you didn't have the time and resources to kind of explore them and expand them and then turn them into some valuable piece of content for your audience. But now we live in a world where you can quickly explore those ideas more deeply, you know, without having to scroll through a list of blue links on a a search results page and, and choosing which ones to click through on. Uh, to research a topic and that means you can get better at choosing which ideas you develop into like full content pieces and so the quality of your overall output could go up considerably um, and you know then of course you can do what everyone is already doing and use ai tools to then edit that work but yeah ideas were always cheap i guess um and now it's it's a little cheaper and faster to put meat on those bones too. And, you know, the other thing is that, you know, in this, in this world, there are um, some folks that are a little bit kind of wary of, of AI. So some writers and content marketers see AI as a threat. And one way that they can counter that is by actually taking ownership of the overall content creation process. So, You know, they're the ones that have the ideas in the first place. Um, And so they can create the copy in the articles and so forth. But then at the moment, they're like throwing that over a fence to maybe a design team or a publishing team or whatever. And uh, we're going to see the emergence of tools that mean writers and content marketers can go end to end, like without with less reliance on on other resources. And that makes those writing roles a lot more valuable to the business because they can do more with less. They can shepherd their ideas. We have the best ideas. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Right. And so now, like if a writer can um, not just produce the the copy, Mm -hmm. but produce that final like glossy visual immersive digital magazine piece uh, with very little input from designers and developers, uh, and make it look like it's been designed by a pro graphics designer. Um, that That's going to be gold. And so I think writers, in particular, are really well positioned in in this new world. and that's, that's kind of exciting.
0: That's a great perspective, actually. It's a good silver lining there because uh, I've heard a lot of people worried about it, but um, you're right, a lot of the writers are very creative, so they're the ones coming up with a lot of a lot of the best ideas. And now they're able to bring those ideas to uh, bring those idea to ideas to fruition a lot more easily.
1: Yeah, and you know the the other thing with that is that you know if you if you are handing that copy over to an, another team to kind of finish off and like once they've dropped the videos and images and kind of laid it all out nicely and whatnot, often you know the the words need and to change. change sometimes. Yeah, they right? might not tell the story the right way. Not exactly. Not so yeah. it's got to be iterative, and. Yeah. Um, when, when the editors and the copywriters and, and writers are kind of like no longer in that process, the, the wrong people are doing the editing. <laughs> and so you end up with, with, you know, not the greatest result at the end of it. Yep. And so I actually think this, this new world that we're, we're moving into is, is, is quite exciting for writers. That's
0: a great point. Yeah. The creator is disconnected from the end output. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah. Any other content marketing tips that you would recommend that, that you're just dying to, tell other people that
1: that they might be getting wrong with their business? (laughs) Uh, Like I could be facetious and and say, you know, don't do content marketing like seriously. (laughs) Uh, So, you know, like let me think from that, like here's an analogy, right? So Mm -hmm. there's a massive difference in mindset between like laying bricks and building the palace of Versailles. Right. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for, for your marketing, like aspire to something more. Mm-hmm. Um, and that alone like i said before will set you apart from the millions of folks doing content marketing yeah. and so remember like you're not aiming to merely contribute to the conversation about yeah. your market you're aiming to like own that conversation you're aiming to dominate it and dominate that space that you're in and to do that you can't think bricks you've yeah. got to think the yeah um and so in content you can't think content you have to think you know remarkable digital destinations that your audience won't want to leave Um, how do you become a thought leader in your space exactly build something that people just want to come back to um and and share and talk about and so aim it's that whole aiming for substance aiming for quality ahead of quantity um and plenty of plenty of examples of people doing this really great so gong is one right i know that they aim for that. they aim for quality mm-hmm. and it's working for them right and so you're already miles ahead of your competitors if you're doing that uh, but you have to work you have to put the work in to do that it means research it means investigation it means you know the kind of stuff that good journalists are typically you know known for that's uh, the details matter. <laughs> um, so I
0: guess uh, what, 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 do you, what do you think causes most startups to fail? Obviously, attention to detail or the lack of, thereof is one of them. Uh, not producing quality works, another that you mentioned as well. Um, wh- what other tips do you have for founders and uh, startups to, to uh, follow in order to avoid failure?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd say the biggest one is probably just not knowing your audience, not understanding your audience yeah. um, and probably you know, being boring um Look like honestly, so like like um but you know a, one that you might not often hear is sometimes the tools you choose dictate your process um and so like a growing number of teams these days and i mean especially in slightly more established startups and bigger companies uh, using these you know big expensive um design tools and um you know uh content experience tools um and they're organized around the design team which means that the writers and editors and other folks who originate the ideas Mm -hmm. um they often end up you know throwing their work over that virtual fence and so the tool the tool dictates the process of that content creation um, but great work doesn't get done that way, and I, like like what we were talking about before, so you wanna you wanna choose tools that work with your process, and hopefully where a creator can own that process end to yeah. end, because it's way faster, the work's better quality, work gets actually gets shipped, um, and uh, I'd just say you have to choose tools that enable your marketing team to work and operate like that.
0: That's a great point. Yeah, and that uh, you kind of touched on it, but that a uh, storytelling aspect is huge, right? So having uh, and, and the creators are very good at coming up with what that story is because they understand the audience, right? Yeah. So being able to tell your startup story, your product story, in a way that relates to the right people in a way that matters to them is very important. And you know, being able to you know resonate with them through your content marketing, the way your your company operates, the way your product experience is, makes a big difference.
1: Hundred percent. Absolutely. hundred percent. And you know, we, we, we still talk, I mean, the, the, the artifact that you create in shorthand is called a story. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter whether it's an annual report or yeah. um, a, a part of a content hub or whatever um, in shorthand, they're stories. And so we talk about, you know, beautifully simple storytelling quite a lot. And yeah, it, it, it makes a huge difference when you're really trying to tell that story and tell it in a way that resonates with your audience. Yeah. It's a, another word thing, right? It's not content. It's, it's a story. Yep. Um, and
0: it's not, you're building Versailles here. You're not, it's not brick yep. by brick, you know, each blog's not a brick. <laughs> it's a, it's gotta be a part of something bigger here. Absolutely. Great. So um, you mentioned failure earlier and I'd love to, you know, tell talk about my failures as well too, but um, yeah. you know, I, I don't believe there's any real entrepreneur that's never failed before, but you know, I love hearing the stories about failure because, you know, I believe, you know, we learned so much from that. And you know, would you happen to be willing to share one of those stories with us today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it, like this is one of the questions we ask everybody coming into shorthand um when we're recruiting is you know, tell us about a failure. So yeah, well, I mean,
0: I'm at it <laughs> yeah. it's a uh, you know, I, I joke about my failures. I love it. <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, so I mean, there are so many I could choose from. Um, and so, you know, aside from being uh being largely a you know failed computer science researcher, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I I had a couple of failed startups in in rapid succession. The first one imploded kind of due to a you know a co-founder mismatch and and frankly because I thought I knew more than I did, like honestly. Um, and then the second one failed simply because we stopped, like we gave up, and you know we absolutely shouldn't have. Um, and we, we need it. We, we should have figured out a way to keep it going somehow because, you know, knowing what I know now, um, that company definitely had legs. Um, and so that, you know, there's a saying startups don't die when they run out of money. They die when they run out of energy and for composure, um, which was the name of that company, um, that was certainly the case. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of
0: times people quit too early, you know, and it's, it's hard for startups, right? But you have to kind of roll with the punches and figure out how to get to the next month and how to get to the next month after that, yep. how to you get your product to market, how to you get your first customers. And if you you know have that vision, right, the Versailles, and you're looking at it and you see all the steps in between, you just got to motivate yourself by you know getting to that next step each and every time. Yeah.
1: That's, that's exactly it. And, and yeah, we, we just stopped. So just don't stop.
0: <laughs> great point yeah. i've been there before too myself <laughs> uh so what are your, your favorite books that you're reading these days that uh somebody might be able to learn from um
1: yeah so favorite books um you know, well actually there's probably one sitting right behind me here so there's not too, many that, about, yeah. <laughs> not too <laughs> yeah, many yeah, about content that, uh, marketing, marketing. Um, yeah which 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 maybe isn't surprising but um, one I've revisited probably once a year for like many years is insanely simple. i um, by Keith Siegel. I think that like one. it already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it is. Um, and it's one of those books I reread often because it kind of like it mentally like refuels me uh, and yeah. kind of like bolsters like the courage of my convictions on um, certain aspects of of company culture and running a company and like why it um, it pays to keep things dead simple um, across product and internal processes and and so on and so forth. Uh, Really great book. I haven't read it. Um, Very succinct and clear. Uh, Another one that I've read more recently is uh, Amped Up by Frank Slootman, um, which has been a great reference over the last 18 months or so. And then another is uh, Powerful um, by Patty McCord. So the, the net, the, the, prior head of HR at, um, at Netflix and Sound like exciting books. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, you can, you can love or hate the Netflix culture. Um, yeah. but that book kind of raised the bar for like what I think a HR function should be okay. and what they should do and, uh, you know, and what a culture is and what a culture isn't. Um, so yeah, I'm pretty much always reading something. Um, yeah. and, I Frankly, I'd like to find more time to read some fiction, which I haven't done in ages. <laughs> yeah, I
0: use uh, Blinkist a lot because it kind of, you know, even if you don't have the time for it, you could kind of, you could crunch a book in about 15 minutes. And I'm totally the same way. There's a couple of like go-to books that I always have to reread just to make sure that I'm always in that mindset. Yep. And there, you know, you have a couple of go-tos that once every six months or a year, you just want to refresh yourself because those principles in your work are so important,
1: right? And you have to keep reminding yourself of that totally totally and you know that that book um insanely simple i've read it enough times that you know i I know i know what's in the book like you know back (laughs) to front but it's kind of just like the act of reading it as well um when when things get tough or challenging or whatever and you kind of read that through and it's like yes like yeah we can do this um it's good to always have a top of mind yeah yeah totally so what's next for shorthand oh what's next for shorthand um Oh, well, I mean, you know, we've achieved a lot, um, but, you know, I always say, you know, today is the first day of the rest of our journey. Um, yeah. So like we are at the bottom of our curve. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know, in the next few Class years, out. five, 10 years, whatever, like I I really hope that we can be the platform of choice for, for writers. And and I'm going to say it, you know, content marketers yep. um, who who kind of, you know, who want to go beyond words and create something beautiful and highly engaging, even when their design and dev colleagues are out for lunch. Um, And so we want to be that platform for every um, major brand and aspiring brand out there. It's great to hear. So, um,
0: yeah, one last thing I'd love if you could reiterate why people should choose your platform over maybe other platforms out there. Uh, it's a great opportunity to plug your product and uh, don't just embellish
1: it as much as you want. <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. So look there, look, there are so many different ways that your message, the thing that you're trying to communicate can get muddied, you know, on its journey from your brain to the brains of your audience, right? That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to plant something, like take something from your brain, put it in someone else's brain. That's, that. Yeah. that's, that's marketing, that's content marketing, um, is transmitting that information. So, you know, maybe what you're saying just isn't relevant or interesting or valuable to your audience. And so it fails to register. You know, if that's happening, that's on you. Um, But you have to know your audience. But there are so many other ways to screw things up. Like, you know, choosing to create a glossy PDF document when most of your audience is actually reading on their phones on like on the evening commute and so you're making them squint or like pinch zoom or um you know and and they can't read the thing um because it's not responsive it's not interactive or yeah. you've decided to kind of deliver a, a, a wall of text when you know just a few words or and a couple of images sample, right? <laughs> yeah it would have been much clearer um, but, you know, when you do it like that in your clunky CMS, it kind of looks crap when you do it like that. So you've, got, you've, you've decided, okay, it's just got to be a wall of text. So, um, you know, no, in, in both those cases, sort of no chance of moving the metrics that matter, right? So wasted effort, wasted time, wasted money. No Shorthand makes it super easy, super fast to create beautiful feature stories, reports, magazines, and so on. And it takes care of like all those mechanical aspects that get that can get in the way of clear communication. And so it can also elevate your output to help you like not be boring for your yep. audience um, while producing fully responsive pages um, on every device type. You know, even, even when you've got a lot of interactivity and magical effects going on, it's going to render beautifully across phone, tablet, desktop, So, you know, like you said at the beginning, like your design team and your dev team will thank you because, you know, you've just given them a whole lot more time to do all the rest of the work that they've got to do. Right. And so on top of all that, you can measure, you can measure uh, the the impact that, that this kind of elevated storytelling is delivering for your brand. Great point.
0: Tom, if you're uh, listening to this, uh, did you hear that? (laughs) I'm probably getting a Slack message from him right now, actually. So I'd say,
1: you know, just give it a shot. Um, Shorthand.com and like you'll be in great company, like literally got some of the best, best brands using shorthand uh, in the world and doing great stuff with it. That's great to hear. Well, uh, thank you so much, Ricky, for coming on
0: today. Um, If anybody's serious about their, we'll call it content marketing. Uh, feel free to check out Shorthand today. It is in Nacho Nacho's marketplace. We'd love for you to check it out there or go to shorthand.com and take a look at a lot of the resources there as well. Uh, Ricky's uh, got a great product over there and uh, we're excited to take a look at it ourselves. Uh, so once again, uh, thanks everybody for joining today. Uh, Nacho Nacho is the number one place to manage, discover and save on SaaS. Once again, Ricky, thanks and have a great day. Thank you, Andy.